Hello and welcome to another episode of Open Us. This is the podcast about openness to new experiences. I'm Professor T and with me as always is my co-host Dr. Toomey. How are you late this evening, Toomey? Late this Tuesday evening indeed, Professor T. I am good. I am just uh, back from the gym, followed by a, an emergency stop in the uh, Tesco. Uh, the local Tesco here to stock up on some toilet roll and some frozen foods. Toilet roll and frozen foods is this in fear of being housebound as a result of the coronavirus? Correct. <laughs> Are you serious? This was driven by my fiance Liz. Um, I was kind of I'm a bit blasé about it, um, but she has been reading a lot online about it, and uh, she uh, she said we'll have to go. So I said okay. Fair enough, batten down the hatches, let's go for it. Uh, we got in there at maybe about half six or so, so we beat the crowd, I think. There was there was more people coming in after us, but as you can imagine, all the toilet roll is gone. Um, Are you serious? I am serious, yes. Where was this? This Tesco, Sandy Mount. All of the toilet roll was gone in Tesco? Well, well, uh, that was a bit of hyperbole. There was a, there was a few... Um, things of toilet roll there a few containers or whatever or way you'd describe them but yeah it was wiped out like have you not have you not heard about this well i've obviously heard about the coronavirus yes <laughs> no 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 but i mean people stocking up on the toilet roll and like the the, the shops being sh- sold out of toilet roll and hand sanitizers and all that type of thing okay yeah so i'd heard of hand sanitizer gate but i didn't know ireland had reached the point of mass hysteria with the fucking toilet roll yet <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll have egg in my yes. face next week and no toilet roll to wipe it off but uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 for the record I wasn't really in favour of, of buying the excess uh, toilet roll but uh, Liz w- was pushing that and I actually like I kind of agree with her because she's looking at what's happening in other countries um, and there's some countries as you know uh, locked down completely and like the the rate of new cases is is more or less the the rate of new cases doubles every few days. So there's no reason to think that uh, we won't be like Italy and then that it won't get worse. I think that's that would be so. So in light of that, you might as well get ahead of the posse and, and stock up. Well, you said there's no reason to think. What about general cynicism? Is that a good enough reason? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always a place for cynicism. But like, come on, the fucking toilet roll. Like, how much toilet rolls did you buy? Actual rolls? Um, I'd say about 12. Okay, well, that's not mental. Like, but do you remember when there was like the boil water notice? It mainly affected North Dublin, where you couldn't drink the tap water for a while. And I was in fucking Aldi and there was people buying 18 litres of water. I was just like, like, and it wasn't even, it wasn't like a no water notice. It was a boil water notice, which meant all you had to do was boil and if necessary, cool your water in order to be able to drink it. But people were like, fuck that, no, I'm buying 18 litres of water. And then what actually happens with that kind of mass hysteria is there's not enough water for legitimate people who legitimately need water and who aren't losing the run of themselves when everyone buys way too much and way more than they need. Like, Yeah, and I said this, <laughs> said this to, I, don't, I don't bring Liz into this too much, but we had this back and forth ourselves. Uh, but, okay. I was... 12, 12 isn't ridiculous the 12 is normal like I'd buy an 18 pack of toilet roll on a normal shop but like I would like uh, yeah but, like we didn't go absolutely crazy on it like but like the, the, um, the, the idea that people are t- buying way more stuff than they need is kind of it's like almost legalised looting it's like when there's a, 
<laughs> any any kind of mild bit of panic, uh, uh, like or like when there's an actual like disaster, and then all of a sudden people start looting. Like that's the extreme version of it. But when there's a bit of mild panic, people start like basically looting, but just within the law. Mm, it, it, there is that fear that that some people who will st- stock up will will uh, take away that ability from other people. Um, yeah, that that is a, that is a, a point. Yeah. But you can remind me of all of this fucking uh, soapbox shite when I'm unable to wipe my arse and dying of thirst. So, <laughs> well, look, I I was like you a few days ago, um, and I think there's a lot of anxiety around about it, and I think anxiety can make people panic. Um, but the, the the good part of anxiety is it actually motivates us to do stuff when we need to. That's why we human beings have anxiety, really. So, like. Liz was more anxious than I was today, and I was a bit more blasé about it. But I, I think on, on reflection, we got the stuff in, we got some frozen food, some toilet roll, and using that anxiety to motivate, to to safeguard or sort of get out ahead of the problem rather than sort of be kind of kind of say, oh, it's going to be grand and I won't do anything preventative about it. Like it's it's a lot worse in other countries. And, and Italy, as you know, is completely shut down. Liz's work has, has told her to... Uh, stop or, or start working from home from Thursday onwards. Um, I'm sure the two of us will be working home, working from home in the next week or two. Like this is this is unprecedented. We've never really had a virus or a, a kind of health crisis like this. Like the the elderly people over sixty are in genuine risk of death from this. Um, so so while there is a lot of anxiety and there is like hysteria, maybe um, I think sometimes it's it's warranted, and this might be be one of those cases when the anxious people are actually right okay well i mean very well put so a lot to chew on there for the listener and make their own mind up (laughs) so back to open us (laughs) so uh let's just briefly mention last week's task because it was our most popular episode so far of this podcast so we just like to thank everybody who listened to that promoted it online or shared it or retweeted it or followed it and i think the reason maybe is because we tapped into something that's popular but it's not so mainstream that your your content gets lost in the bottomless pit of the internet so there's an actual core and hardcore fan base for league of ireland football and a few of those people seem to catch on to the podcast and thanks to some of our friends and people we know sharing it and things like that um and it was a success because of that so that was uh, it was enjoyable from from our standpoint after only complaining a couple of weeks ago that we couldn't get any traction on the podcast at all so yeah, and it was amazing. We actually mentioned uh, influencers a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, and one of our friends, Ross, uh, has a good sort of uh, following or a good um, group of friends within the League of Ireland circuit, and uh, he he retweeted um, something about the episode, and I think a few of his friends saw it as well, and then it sort sort of spread from there. So so maybe the the, the role of the influencer uh, cannot be underestimated. You might say it went viral. <laughs> you might uh, but, yeah <laughs> throwback yeah uh, anyway uh, <clears throat> um, so so yeah we just wanted to mention that so that was really enjoyable um, and this task is probably so broad that it will get lost in the bottomless pit of the internet but there's a chance that some of our new listeners might hang around for this episode so hopefully they do and maybe we'll come up with something um, more more narrow or less ridiculously broad for next week's episode. But for this week, we decided to go and delve into uh, films, TV shows, and, f- and reality TV. J- 
just to give ourselves shit to watch while we're all housebound during the coronavirus. Um, but no, just to, to open ourselves up to something new that we would maybe dismiss or, um, yeah, like dismiss without watching or t- tell ourselves, oh, that's not going to be for me or I wouldn't be interested in that. But we decided to go against the grain and, and watch these things that we wouldn't normally watch. So maybe uh, you'd like to go ahead firstly, if that's okay. Yeah, that's 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 fine. Yeah, so um, yeah, these are things we had a kind of we look down our nose on, and uh, yeah, we're close minded to uh, so kind of programs and movies, and so the three categories were, as you said, there um, reality TV show that would be close minded to uh, a movie that would be close minded to, and then a Netflix fictional show. Uh, that we'd be previously closed-minded to. So it's to approach all of these things with an open mind. And the idea is, like, if, if we are open-minded to these things, will we actually enjoy them ha- after having gotten over ourselves and our kind of preconceptions? So the one I might go into first is the uh, fictional show because it's the kind of the, the least uh, interesting from my perspective. Um, so I was looking around Netflix and I was trying to find a show that a uh, fictional show um, that I was close-minded to. And I, I was actually finding it very difficult to do that because I don't really watch a lot of the, the fictional shows on, on Netflix. Like I, I watch uh, Better Call Saul. Uh, I've watched um, Breaking Bad, obviously. Um, you know, the, the main, like, Stranger Things, like some of the main ones that people would have heard of. But apart from that, I don't usually do that. Um, so I was scrolling through and I was, I was trying to think of, like things that looked kind of maybe a bit chick flicky or kind of aimed at females uh, that I wouldn't kind of uh, normally, that I might be close-minded to. I might say, oh, that looks a bit silly or that's not for me or that's I'd maybe watch football or something instead. So I was flicking around and I just, I looked at one of the Netflix trailers and I didn't know anything about this program and it was called Glow. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I've watched it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought you might have. So when I clicked into the trailer, I, uh, it was a, the trailer was an interview about this, for this woman in the 1980s. And she was basically, it was a comedy skit. Uh, she was uh, reading out, she was, sorry, she was auditioning to be an actor. And she was reading out a script and the script was kind of uh, interesting and entertaining. But then eventually, towards the end of the scene, they said, no, that's for the man. That's for the male part in this role. And then, yeah, so I thought it was a kind of independent woman kind of uh, show. But, uh, yeah, I, I had to laugh to myself when it turned out that the show was about uh, women, a woman, uh, it centers around a woman who, um, who, who can't make it in acting and then decides to audition for this uh, unknown event and it turns out to be professional women women's wrestling. Um, yeah, so so that was the, the first one I saw. Um, and yeah, I, t- I found it quite funny uh, and witty. And I suppose, yeah, I, t- I didn't take too... I didn't think it was amazing. Uh, I thought some of the, the one-liners were very good. I ended up watching three or four episodes of it, that, so I never, never would have done that. The first one was kind of hard to kind of switch off my mind to because my mind's always kind of busy uh, during the working week. Um, so I kind of, it was, I had to like focus on it and take in a new show. Um, but yeah, I, do, I don't really have much, too much to report on other than it was good. It had a female lead in it, but 
I suppose it wasn't a huge departure from what I would have uh, looked at before. I was more kind of fooled by the the trailer, I think. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, have you? Are you familiar with this show? Yeah, I watched the first season and then some episodes of the second season, and then I stopped because I thought it was um, being a huge wrestling fan, as previously discussed. I thought it was kind of cringy. I I don't like when the mainstream tries to do wrestling because it's kind of embarrassing. To, if you're a fan of wrestling but maybe that's what most people think wrestling is anyway it's just embarrassing but uh, it's like they were trying to make all insidery references and stuff and it was just like uh, it's too cringy I can't, I can't do it um, so I, I had to stop watching it eventually but I thought your man was really good who plays like the guy who sets up the company who, who in himself is a podcaster what's his name again? Uh, Mark Maron okay he, he has a really famous podcast called WTF all right. Okay. I think uh, have you not recommended that to me before? Uh, maybe I have, but I can't remember. Yeah, like he's he's extremely famous um, and in films and stuff, and has like one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Uh, but he's the guy who plays the like the fucking guy who sets up the company or who books the company or whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, I thought there was some interesting. Sorry. Sorry, the director guy. Yeah, he, he was running the yeah. show. Like he's running the. And obviously, do you know it's based on a real company from the eighties as well? Yeah, I was wanted wanted to ask you about that. It seems like it was as the episodes were going on. It was, and I was just looking at the season two and all. It became quite a popular company. Is that is that right? I don't think it was ever really that popular. It was oh, more underground, okay. but it was completely groundbreaking in that it was a women's wrestling company, um, and they had attractive women wrestling rather than like hairy. Uh, steroided men uh, which was popular at the time uh, with your Hulk Hogan's and your Randy Savages but um, yeah so it was called Glow was Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling Uh, one famous-ish wrestler who came from Glow was Ivory who went on to be in the WWF Um, but uh, yeah it was like it was kind of an underground thing and it was on like I don't even know if it was on mainstream television. I think it might have been on local cable stations back in the 80s. But if you could get it, like, you know, then you watched it or whatever. But, um, yeah, but it was, yeah, I thought it was interesting, all right, yeah. But not not enough to stick around. Yeah, and, yeah, I I thought the same. Like, I wasn't bowled over by it, but I didn't think it was shite either. Um, I'm just thinking about the point I made at the start about looking around Netflix, trying to find things I've been close-minded to or even had an opinion on. Uh, what what would be your kind of experience of that? Or do you want to kind of talk about that when you're talking about your own fictional Netflix series? I might go into my one now, so we do one okay. each. Um, I... Uh I, I'm quite close-minded to a lot of shite on Netflix, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, <laughs> well, when you describe it like that. <laughs> m- most of it is just like, ugh, ugh. you know, like a lot of fantasy-based stuff I'm not really into at all. Um, I think we might have mentioned that before, and there's plenty of that. Uh, I considered watching The Witcher, but then I decided not to, because I, I just actually knew <laughs> that I would think it was shit, so there was actually no point. Um but I think that was the whole point of the task. That wasn't, <laughs> but I, yeah, it was too far for you. But it was like, oh, I, I know I'm going to hate this. Uh, and then like, I, I just scroll and scroll and scroll sometimes through Netflix. So I ended up actually watching Dairy Girls. Um, oh, yes. Which is quite a popular show um, based in Northern Ireland in the 90s, kind of pre, pre-ceasefire, still in the troubles. Um, Dairy. And the reason I watched it is because, uh, for whatever reason, and... I can't really pinpoint it. I have kind of done some soul searching on this, but the whole troubles thing, I just don't. I'm just not drawn towards watching things that are about it. Um, like I've seen the film Michael Collins a couple of times, but it never really resonated with me 
and it should do because I'm an Irish person, but it never really resonated with me as strongly as it does with other people. And then things that are kind of related to the Troubles or related to Northern Ireland, maybe it's because I don't feel like I, I have a dog in the fight. I'm, I'm not religious. I don't consider myself either Catholic or Protestant, despite being christened a Catholic, but that was true. No choice of my own. Um, so, like, I don't know what it is, but I, I'd always kind of turn change the channel or something if something like that came out and obviously the whole show isn't about the troubles like sorry I don't want to be it's actually a comedy show (laughs) (laughs) but it's just that's the backdrop of it it's like oh there's bombs on bridges and things like that but um, I gave it a chance anyway and um, I thought some some of it was funny and some of the dialogue was quite funny but I thought like have you watched any of this? yeah yeah I'm familiar with it but I'll hear you out before I comment so they're like the one of the main storylines is there's a male character who's a bit effeminate who goes to an all-female school in Derry, um, and they think that because he's English and he's living in Northern Ireland during the nineties that he'll get the shit beaten out of him if he goes to the boys' school, so he goes to the girls' school. But I thought that that got tiresome within episode one that storyline, and I assume it persists throughout the whole series. Um, and like the, the fact that they won't let him go for a piss for the entire episode, I just thought that was fucking ridiculous. It's like come on, they dragged that joke out for like half an hour. And, I mean, like, he ended up pissing in a bucket at the end of it. But uh, it was like, obviously he would have just gone for a piss, you know what I mean? Like, it was just it was just too too uh, over the top. Um, but then there was other aspects to it I thought were really derivative. Like, I thought the entire show was derivative of uh, My Mad Fat Diary, which was out a few years ago, where the only difference is it's set in England. The main character has a weight problem, but the whole episode is uh, teens in England who are in the 90s uh, who aren't necessarily the coolest people, and it's narrated through her diary. So it couldn't have been any more similar, like, except the, except yeah. the, the country that it was set in. Um, so I kind of thought that was quite derivative. I thought it was kind of derivative of um, the in-betweeners as well. Um, it's just that it was girls instead of lads. Um, yeah, so, coming of age, yeah. Yeah, so overall, I didn't think it was that good, and I probably wouldn't be arsed watching any future episodes. Um, but there you go, that's what I watched. Okay, uh yeah, I it, Dairy Girls is is one I'm familiar with, and I've watched a few episodes of it. Again, I wouldn't be sort of bowled over by it or, or drawn to it. Uh, it's gotten a lot of awards, though I've noticed. Um, what do you think about that? Like all the awards it's gotten, and the, anyone I've spoken to who's watched it has said, "Oh, it's amazing! You should watch that." Um, yes, but, exactly, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I didn't watch it because. Oh yeah. I try to avoid things that people heap praise on to so much. Ah yes, this brings me back. The Departed heaps so much praise onto them that it can't possibly live up to the hype. I try to avoid those things. Now I've been proven wrong in the past. I was proven wrong with Breaking Bad. I was proving wrong. I was proven wrong with The Wire. So I didn't watch those shows until they were finished, or Breaking Bad slightly before it was finished. But and, I, and as I watched them, I was like, no, this is actually fucking brilliant. But then in many cases, I've been proven right as well. I've been like, <laughs> this is a load of shit, and I knew it would be. Um, so I remember I was just said there. I don't think you heard me. Uh, the Departed. It brought me back to that. No, I, I did I hear went, you. Yeah, I did hear you. Oh, you did hear me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but I saw The Departed before you, and my quote after seeing it was, "It was the best film I've ever seen in the cinema." <laughs> yeah, it was. You laid it that on. That was pick. the worst. The worst possible thing I could say to you. Because uh, I could imagine you there watching it, going, "This is shit." Yeah. Well, no, this is not good. It wasn't that it was shit, but it was like. It was good and it was perfectly adequate, but I certainly didn't think there was anything remarkable about it. Yeah. And do you think if I hadn't have said that you would have enjoyed it more? Or Yes, definitely. <laughs> 
So, yeah, what is it about me having said that or anybody in general hyping things up? Do you, does that kind of make you cynical straight away, do you think? Or Yeah, I think so. It's an underlying cynicism. But it's also, I think, when somebody uh, whose opinion you actually respect lays it on really thick with something, you um, you just think to yourself, like, this can't possibly live up to what they've said because... I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. But maybe it's a bit of, bit of healthy skepticism there because I think, like, I was uh, probably overhyping The Departed. I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't uh, hold those same views now, um, for example. So, did, so maybe it's a bit of kind of a reaction to hyperbole in general. Yes, I'd say that's more likely what it is, yeah. Okay. Grant. Uh, okay, so um, shall I go on to my next one? Yeah, you go on to your next one because a spoiler alert here. I didn't get to watch a reality TV show, so it'll be better if we do your one than my one, then you can do your last one. So. Okay, cool. Uh, yes, and we should also say that you were away for about four days this week, so yeah, it's not you were at concerts and stuff in London. So yeah, we'll let you off the hook for for this week, especially since I didn't read all of the Invisible Man on episode two <laughs> on week one. Or sorry, week week. week two. Yeah, the first task. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, you, you've owed me one since then. So yeah, I owed you. Well, we're even now, but it's taken you till episode sixteen. Yeah, to uh, to not be able to open yourself up for one week. But sure, what? Who gives a fuck? Anyway, you did two out of three, uh, so uh, it's grand. Anyway, moving on to uh, segue there. Um, so the second category of uh, entertainment. <laughs> viewing entertainment that we uh, were going to watch was movies. Uh, so movies that we would have been close-minded to. And again, I went with the theme of uh, movies aimed at uh, women. Okay. <laughs> because I just have this thing that sometimes if it's a female lead in a show or a movie, I'm just just not inclined to, to watch it uh, or to want to watch it. And that's maybe uh, inherent uh, sexism. I, I hope not. Uh, but maybe it's just because I'm a man and I like things that are more aimed at my gender, stereotypically. Um, but an example of that, as an aside, is um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Little Women in the movie that, that uh, was nominated for an Oscar there recently. There's no way on earth I would have voluntarily went to see it, but there was some mix-up with tickets at the cinema and me and Liz ended up going to it and I was closed-minded going into it and I actually really loved uh, the movie. So I was, I was interested to see if this would happen again, that if there was a movie from the past that uh, was f- for females or women uh, or aimed at them. Females or women. <laughs> females slash women. And uh, the one I went from for was one that I've never watched and I would I actually hated the, the thought of it at the time. <laughs> and it's from the year 2000. It is star- starring Reese Witherspoon and it is Legally Blonde. Okay. Legally Blonde. <laughs> yeah. Legally Blonde, everybody. And uh, just a quick synopsis. It's about this uh, uh, sort of uh, bimbo-ish uh, blonde uh, re- played by Reese Witherspoon who... Uh, thinks her boyfriend is going to propose to her but he actually breaks up with her and says he's going off to study law at Harvard and she decides to kind of chase him she's going to go to Harvard as well and study law and during her time in Harvard uh, she sort of outgrows him and she learns that he's a douche (laughs) (laughs) 
There we go to use that word. And uh, she becomes more and more independent as the movie goes on. And it's kind of a fun, funny uh, slapstick, uh, has lots of funny moments in it, uh, type of type of uh, comedy, chick flick, romantic comedy, whatever. And uh, but uh, I just watched it and it was kind of it was nice. It was you could have it on in the background while you're kind of make a dinner uh, there were some funny moments in it uh, like uh, there's some iconic moments in it actually in the kind of uh, in a kind of a camp way like um, uh, Reese Witherspoon does this thing where she drops a pen and then she springs up and I think it's called a drop and a twist drop and a spring up or some some phrase like that and Liz was saying that was a big thing back in the 2000s amongst uh, girls they used to always like be imitating that um, oh like a dance move it's like a dance move thing. Yeah, oh, right. okay. it's like you, you drop a pen and then you spring up. Um, uh, the girl or female listeners will know what I'm talking about too. <laughs> Completely. Uh, what, what female listener to me? <laughs> Liz. <laughs> um, but I thought this was interesting because this was a um, a movie aimed at women, and a lot of the storyline was focused on the woman chasing the man. So it was. I just I don't think those types of storylines that have a woman subservient to a man as the main story are out these days, especially independent women type of movies. They're more kind of like, I think, into the superhero movies these days, um, yeah. kind of. Yeah, there's a lot more movies where women are, are presented as as kind of more kind of real and less kind of, let's say, I'm looking for a better word than bimbo. Well, empowered, I'd say, is, is the empowered, good word yes. to use. Um, yeah, like, so th- those films were a dime a dozen back in the early 2000s, like 50 First Dates, Never Been Kissed, are some uh, that come to mind with the same kind of plot, um, where, like, you know, the woman kind of is subservient to the man or whatever. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, but they just don't exist anymore. Yeah, it was, it's, it was, it was a definitely um, of its time. Yeah, because it is kind of it's it's about an independent woman, but it's still the woman is being independent in reaction to not caring as much about the man. It's not that the woman is doing something completely independent, like on her own, if you if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So it was spurred uh, on by the fact that the man dumped her. Yeah, exactly. Which isn't fully independent, but I think it was very much of the time, and the the direction style the camera work was very different i actually i noticed a lot of uh, close up shots of reese witherspoon's face and her smiling like saying hello to people and she'd smile and it, it would be a, the camera would pause on her face or she'd be, she'd make a joke or she'd notice someone coming in and it, there was just multiple close up shots of reese witherspoon's face which is obviously a very pretty face but i thought that was interesting and then I, then i looked into this a bit further and i thought the, the director have the hots for Reese Witherspoon, or was he maybe enamored with her? Um, but I tur- it turned out afterwards uh, that the director, I can't remember his name, unfortunately, but the director said that he would never work with Reese Witherspoon again and that she takes all the joy out of making movies. And yeah, so I was completely shocked by that. Um, Fuck so I was, expect- yeah. I was expecting to go down a rabbit hole of why he did close-ups because they had a romantic... Uh, connection or something like that but he never wants to work with her again the whole thing in the film industry is like tits and teeth isn't it that, or okay. it used to be when it was much more sexist and you know misogynistic but, <laughs> yeah. but think, yeah. well yeah like tits and teeth is a famous phrase like that's a kind of in in a misogynistic way back 20 30 years ago that's what people want to see from a woman lead uh, yeah it's kind of like that kind of very feminine very 
kind of ditzy yeah exactly what you're saying i, I just never had uh, heard that phrase before tits and teeth it makes sense tits there and was teeth. a lot of sh- <laughs> there was a lot of shots of tits and teeth <laughs> teeth in that uh, in that show but yeah yeah i enjoyed it it, it was thought-provoking and there were some funny m- moments in it and i kind of gotten over the hump and i think i would be more likely to perhaps watch silly uh, female uh, led comedies from the early 2000s <laughs> <laughs> if one came up again all right fair like, enough for, ex- for example miss congeniality okay so have you not seen any of these films before like if I've seen fucking no. all of these films. Oh yeah, <laughs> all of them. Yeah. Well, see, I was I was in a ten and a half year relationship for an unbroken period of time, so maybe that's probably a reason why. But uh, yeah, I've seen all of these fucking films, just like I've made my other half watch Goodfellas, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, and all of those films. So, <laughs> as Oscar nominated movies, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I I think the reason I haven't seen those movies is because growing up what or when i'd hear about them it would just a, a flick would go in my head and which would go and i'd say in my head that's stupid that's ridiculous shite and i'd almost get annoyed by the concept of it yeah well um, but that leads nicely into the film i'm about to talk about now um lovely so i decided to go for something completely out of the realm of uh, normality for me i don't know if that's a phrase it is now um so I went for something that I am completely against for no reason. Just, you know, one of these things where you hear about it, like you just said there, and you're like, you almost touch yourself and you go, yeah, right. So, you, you know, you'd see like the greatest rundown of the top 100 comedians ever or like the top 100 comedy films ever or the top 100 comedic actors ever or whatever version of that fucking list, listicle that you see all the time everywhere. Um, and often what would come up would be Charlie Chaplin. I don't know if you've ever watched any Charlie Chaplin films at all. No, I've heard the name, though. Okay, so he was a silent actor. So he was in the silent film era, and he was the most prominent actor probably in that era. Um, So you've got, like, the mid-1910s onward, I think, was the silent film era, but he came to prominence maybe in the 20s. And one of his famous films, and maybe his most famous, uh, was called The Gold Rush. So it's from 1925, and it's a silent film, so there's no dialogue whatsoever. There's incidental music. And then there are interstitial uh, text uh, plot points on screen that break up the actual <laughs> video footage. <laughs> you really went for it. So, so you'll know the type of film I'm talking about. Because yes, you'll have yes. seen clips of this type of stuff on, on countdown shows and whatever. Um, so, so like I've often heard the likes of uh, Steve Coogan or uh, Rob Brydon talking about how much they love Charlie Chaplin and Steve Coogan actually played him in a biopic there recently I think it was actually just called Chaplin maybe I can't remember I didn't see it but um but yeah like you'd hear all of these well-respected actors talking about how how brilliant of an actor he was not just a comedian and how great of a comedic actor and a director because he did all of these things himself and he produced and everything um so you'd you'd often hear all these really respectable people that you respected and who you thought were funny saying how heavily influenced they'd been by him and also how how much they respected him and like it's one of these things that i'd heard so much i was like for fuck's sake fucking like like i'd always think of the three stooges as that as well not that i've ever watched any of the three stooges but in my head i'm just like that's a load of shit like it's it's not for me i I know it's not for me without having watched it anyway because of those reasons i decided to watch um the gold rush so um, there's a there's a 1925 version which is a silent film and then there's a 1942 restored version which actually does have 
dialogue narration rather than text narration that splits up the scene so i watched a bit of the dialogue narration one first just a few minutes just to see what it was like so then i went and just switched that off and i watched the full uh 1925 version and um from the very start it was actually quite clear how good of a comedic actor charlie chaplin is um it's like a really really excellent visual film where he does a lot of visual comedy that if you're familiar with the likes of mr bean and faulty towers and monty python in in later years you'll see how heavily influenced by him those people have been uh, mr bean is basically just a, a 1990s version of, of charlie chaplin if you ask me like with my limited experience only watching one film it's just it's so heavily influenced by it like it's it's unbelievable so he, he tells a lot of stories because there's no dialogue. He tells the stories with his eyes. So he has these very, very distinguishable eyes and also like a Hitler type moustache. He's a very distinguishable character. Um, and uh, he, like the, the, just the emotions that he conveyed in his eyes within the first few scenes, there's like terror, glee, sadness. It's like it's all there and it's all so evident. And the type of acting actually reminds me almost of stage acting without the over dramatic dialogue because there was no dialogue. But you know, you know the way with stage actors, they have to emphasize their actions and their movements on the stage um like over the top almost because they need to play to the whole room or it's not going to be on a, on a cinema screen uh, and it was it was that kind of acting but it was never completely in your face and and ridiculous and um so the general story of it is he's kind of a tramp and during the gold rush the klondike gold rush in uh in canada in 19 or sorry in 18 96 uh, a lot of people a hundred thousand people gold prospectors migrated to this region in canada the yukon region um so that they could they could mine for gold so that's what like the gold rushes were in history it's like people would hear about the fact that there was gold readily available in these places and they'd come across from different countries and from different parts uh, of the country to go and mine for gold themselves so it was a it was a kind of a gold mass hysteria um but like it was legitimate like there was there was legitimately a lot of gold available in certain places and people would become millionaires out of it so this film which is called the gold rush was set during one of these gold rushes and there's a lot of people um mining for gold and he's the lone prospector is his character so like he's kind of wearing ridiculous clothing because he's wearing like a suit and a bowler cap but that's synonymous with him as an actor so i think he kind of wore these this costume this kind of iconic costume in, in all of his films but or in certain in many of them but um so it kind of is a bit ridiculous, a bit slight, slightly farcical from the start. But um, so, yeah, he's, he's a prospective gold miner and he's going around uh, looking to mine gold. He gets involved in a lot of different capers. Um, there's a story where he's kind of chasing after a woman. I, I'm not going to go through the whole plot, but like he kind of like there's lots of obstacles he has to overcome throughout this film. And then he like tries to get the girl and he gets the girl in the end uh, as a spoiler there. But um it's just I don't think anyone's going to watch the 1920s or 1940s Charlie Chaplin uh, but, Gold Rush. But it's just his, his actual, he captivates you on the screen. And I can understand now like what the likes of Steve Coogan and people like that are enamored with him. Because I was so, couldn't have been any more against this if I tried. And just watching it, I was like, it reminded me of all sorts of things. It reminded me of Father Ted. There's like references to The Simpsons in there. There's the famous scene, which you'll, you'll recognize from The Simpsons, where Abe Simpson is doing the dance with the, the bread rolls at the table with the two forks. Uh, that originated in this film. Um, there's a famous scene uh, where two of them are stuck in uh, 
so they're stuck in a cabin in like the, the it's like the really really snowy blizzard like and they're two two of them are two of the characters are stuck in a cabin and one of the characters they get so hungry that they almost think of eating each other and one of the characters visualizes charlie chaplin as a chicken it's like it reminded me of father ted when they give up cig- cigarettes and alcohol and rollerblading for lent and they start vis- visualizing each other as a pint and a cigarette and a do you remember this? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking of another Father Ted episode where they're they're stuck in the caravan. Okay, it's... yeah, 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 and like, and then there's yeah. there's there's aspects of it which are definitely um, referencing the Simpsons, where Homer's stuck in the 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 cabin in the snow with Mister Burns as well, and it's just it, it's just so culturally relevant, even well, not maybe not even today, but like right up until the nineties, this film was being referenced left, right, and center, subtly and blatantly across all different forms of television and comedy and stuff. Um, and it, it's, I can understand now why, why it's so influential and why people still talk about Charlie Chaplin. So I would say I would definitely watch another Charlie Chaplin film after this. And I'd say I'd even watch this again. I enjoyed it that much. Cool. It sounds like it's given you a new found respect for some of the pioneers of comedy. Uh, yes, would that be correct? definitely. And, and they had much less to work with. Like, so there's one famous scene where... Um, it's called the blizzard scene and he has to uh, act like he's been blown back by a blizzard because the door of the cabin opens and he's getting blown by the wind but he's just doing all of this freestanding so it looks like he's legitimately been getting blown like so that you can barely stand by a blizzard and when you think like they didn't have cgi or really any special effects back in 1925 so it's, it's just his physical movements and it's so unbelievably convincing when you're watching it and it's like, it's like watching somebody getting blown by a blizzard like and, and he takes a lot of falls like a lot of bumps um in in the uh in the film as well like and it's just kind of just captivating to watch right yeah and it's kind of yeah it's one of the founders and yeah he didn't have a lot of assistance back then so yeah that sounds like a really unexpected uh, surprise for you there uh with uh, charlie chaplin's uh, gold rush and yeah i yeah I, it's kind of like I know you're interested in, in comedy and I think it is good like if you want to kind of, kind of get your head around a certain topic or a form of entertainment to go back to the start. It kind of, I would say, it sounds like it's given you a new understanding as well as respect for, for Charlie Chaplin. Yes, I think it has, definitely. All right. Right. So without further ado, adieu, uh, let us move on to the final uh thing we wanted to watch that we were close-minded to and this was the category of reality tv and professor t couldn't get to do this this week and he's excused as we've just we've discussed before but let me come to the finale the final uh thing you're you're struggling here too (laughs) trying to build it up but i don't have the words uh okay so following along my theme of uh, being close-minded to slightly feminine shows. This was a reality show, a reality docu-series. And this is, this is controversial because the, 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 uh, there's a gray area between a reality TV show and a documentary. Uh, what we have now nowadays is a reality docu-series or something. They're, they're kind of midway. Like I, I was looking at the category of, of uh, show that it was on Netflix. And so I counted this as a reality TV show. Well, but I actually have a, I don't think one, anyone would be able to, to explain to you the differences between a reality TV show and a reality docu-series. So we let you away on that technicality there. Okay. <laughs> well, I have another reality TV show to add in at the end, a bonus one uh, that I kind of got in in a roll. But anyway, uh, going back to this reality docu-series that followed a group of mainly young women, but also young men, actually probably 50-50 split, uh, and they were in America. <laughs> I don't know why I, I build it up like this. I just don't, just don't say it or 
don't just say it. Uh, the documentary, docu-series, reality docu-series was about a group of cheerleaders. Okay. And it was called Cheer. So this is something never in a million years I would watch uh, a, a docu-series. Ugh. Reality docu-series, whatever the fuck. <laughs> Screwed myself now with that. <laughs> I'm just going to call it a documentary from now on, uh, even though it's a reality docu-series. Okay. Okay, so it's a documentary about uh, cheerleaders. And also, as, as I started off watching it, I thought this is going to be the most vapid kind of nonsense that I've ever seen in my life. And why would anyone care <laughs> about cheerleaders, kind of the people at the, the side of the basketball matches or American football matches? But this show is actually not about those kind of uh, dancey cheerleaders. It's about professional cheerleading. Uh, which is a sport in America. It's highly competitive. So this was a, an immediate swerve, a curveball for me. Uh, so I was uh, that kind of piqued my interest. And it's about this town called Navarro, which is in Texas, and it's become the the elite school for uh, cheerlead professional cheerleaders. So it's an intensely competitive sport. It's highly athletic. You have to do all of these pyramids. Like you have to jump up on other people. You have to spin around in the air. It's it's so technical. It's incredibly dangerous. There's multiple co- concussions within a, a standard um, cheerleading team. There was one girl on it interviewed that she'd had five concussions and she was still like getting back up to do all the moves. So you have to be extremely athletic. You have the people at the bottom have to hold the cheerleaders up. So you have to be incredibly strong. You have to do backflips. Back you have to jump from one side of the pyramid to the other side and it's all about this complete like the way it's judged in competitions is is complete precision and accuracy any small mistake if you do a backflip and you go slightly to the side for example you lose the marks and uh, so this this was so, so it's fascinating that this sport existed to me competitive sport serious sport where they train like for like six hours a day for months on end to get this one performance right so it's a really high stakes and yeah it was just really enjoyable like and you like was following all the characters and the the head of the cheerleading squad was this uh the the cheerleading teacher was a, a really strong woman who had graduated with a business degree and she was just an absolutely brilliant leader and very very cold at times as well like so People would fall off the pyramid and they'd be screaming in agony. And she'd, she'd just say, right, do it again. And, and she'd uh, just like... Okay, so I have a few questions here. So it's a, to me, it sounds like a combination of maybe gymnastics and ballet and almost like um, Cirque du Soleil all rolled into one or something like that. Um, yes. That type of thing you're exactly, describing there. But um, That's it, exactly, yes. Do they not practice with a safety net of any sort? No safety net whatsoever. It's so just the... What's the surface they, that they're falling onto? They roll up. They roll up this mat. It's like it's similar to a yoga mat, that type of um, sort of width. Like so, it doesn't protect you from falling at all. So if you fall, and, and remember, they're they're flipping around like gym, like acrobats. So a lot of them fall directly on their head. A lot of them fall on like sideways on their ankle. They they break their ankles. Like loads of them got. It's an incredibly dangerous sport. <laughs> and so you can't mess up so this leads to a lot of tension within the team that you have to get it perfect and that you have to rely on each other and what was also fascinating about it was that a lot of the people came from different parts of america to this obscure town in navarro texas to become they wanted to be part of the best cheerleading squad in america but 
lots of them came from broken homes. So there was trauma. There was people who had been abused. There's people whose family had, whose parents had deserted them. So like, there was people who were who were involved with drugs and violence and and people who had been not accepted for who they are. People who had been bullied for being gay. So it was people from who were just were using um, cheerleading as just a way out, a way to get a kind of feel good about themselves, to feel happy. So it was, I've never seen a kind of a sport attract uh, so many people with kind of problems and, and issues and then using cheerleading, the discipline of it as a salvation. Um, and so it was absolutely, yeah, go on. When, when you mentioned there, when people fell off the top of the pyramid and the instructor was making them go up and get it, uh, do it so they got it correctly. Um, were the competitors mainly supportive of one another w- when this happened, or were they um, like annoyed with the people who fucked up? Well, if they if there was any fuck ups, there there was a lot of giving out to them. They'd they'd be like, "What the fuck are you thinking?" But if somebody got injured, there would there'd be a gasp, like because these people are falling from like ten meters in the air and they're falling on on their shoulder or their head. So it's it's it looks genuinely frightening. So people would stop. And then they'd have a sort of medic come in um, and people would be looking at the person and there'd be a bit of concern there. But then a, a, like a minute later, it'd be back to work. Like this is just a normal thing that happens, like the multiple kind of injuries. So, OK, yeah. right. OK, that sounds very so, interesting. <laughs> so I never I never would have thought it. And I would go as far as to say it's the best docu-series, <laughs> reality TV docu-series that I've ever seen well, it's the only one in existence, so <laughs> by that by that definition. Well, well, there's like the hills. Would that be one? I, I'm, the only, I'm, I'm only joking. Or the Kardashians. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but I was completely shocked. Me and Liz watched it in two evenings. There was about, I think there was eight episodes, and we watched it just the first night. We watched four hours, and the second night we watched another four hours. So Fucking I'd highly hell. recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> you went the distance there. Okay, I watched one episode of Dairy Girls and a film. <laughs> <laughs> well, I made up for you. Yeah. And the other one I just just to mention briefly, I saw just the last couple of days because we were on a roll. Uh, myself and Liz watching these things. Uh, the other one was Love Is Blind, which has been heavily advertised on Netflix at the moment. Have have you are you aware of that? I think I have heard of it. Is it something where they don't get to see the person's face until much later in the process or whatever it is? Yeah, it's a dating show where uh, the couple. Uh, or not the couple, but two two people meet each other, but they don't get to see each other. They're in different rooms, so they never actually see what they look like, and they talk. They get to know each other just by talking to each other. Right. Uh, but the thing is that uh, that it's a dating show where they there's a proposal of marriage at the end of it. So it's not enough that they they don't talk to each other, and it's a blind date. It's a blind marriage date thing. So do like I mean, are these people attractive, or do any of them look like the elephant man? <laughs> No elephant man, a few a few kind of mid-range attractiveness, but mostly kind of attractive people who are trying to, I would say, get famous. So, um, some goblins and non-goblins. <laughs> yeah. I'd say mostly non-goblins, but a few goblins in there. Uh, good one. <laughs> That's a personal joke. Um, uh, <laughs> I've heard that one in a while. That's a great one. Um but uh, yeah, it's very cringy. Like you know, the the Americans going for this thing. There's like there's one of them who hadn't met his fiance in person yet, and he, when he was meeting her, he said he he tied a, a bow like a bow for a present on him. It was like it was actually a bow tie, and his whole thing was, my gift to you is me. 
I give oh. you the gift of me. And it was all this kind of cringy yeah. American stuff. Like we well, were meant to be together and my, I'm so sure and all this stuff. So. That sounds like the worst thing in the world. Uh, completely different yeah. to the first one you described there. Correct. Yeah, absolute shite. <laughs> Never watch that again. But I'd watch a reality docuseries about cheerleaders again. And Cheer is coming out for season two, I believe. Right, okay. Well, that's one for the uh, future there. Uh, I was going to say. I challenge you to watch Cheer. You challenge me to watch Cheer? Okay, I'll fucking watch Cheer, motherfucker. I challenge our listeners to watch Cheer. Um, is it on Netflix, did you say? Correct. Okay, I'll go and have a look at it, yeah. Uh, seeing as I didn't do the homework <laughs> for this week, that will be my homework now for next No. No, it doesn't have to be because we do have a new task for next week, which we'll go on to in one minute. But before we wrap up, any general thoughts on this week's task? General cameras action doom of thoughts. Uh, I thought that uh, your stuff sounded interesting there and um, they were probably, well, I had watched Glow and um, the Legally Blonde film before, but I thought your perspective sounded interesting, especially the whole thing where women were like chasing men and um, they weren't as empowered as female leads would be uh, in films in the like maybe in the last 10 years so that was an interesting viewpoint there um and then just from my own experience watching uh, a silent film starring charlie chaplin something i never would have watched like i could have gone my whole life without watching that actually i probably would have so it's good that we're allowing ourselves to watch these things we never would because you could live your whole life without having watched something that you actually would really enjoy so it's good to be open yeah and with Charlie, Charlie Chapman, yeah, that really uh, sums up the, the point of this show is to give yourself a kick up the arse and, and get past that closed-mindedness. And then you're actually rewarded by it. So, perfect. Really. Right you are. Right you are. And also, the other thought I was just thinking of during this was how difficult it was in terms of time to fit these things in. And I, yeah. I know you had similar experience with that. Well, I just finished watching... Uh, the gold rush before we went on the air so um, i really pushed it this week last minute homework yeah and like uh yeah so my, i have a new housemate at the moment and she arrived home just as i was watching this end of a silent <laughs> film from the 1920s so <laughs> <laughs> it's Did a bit weird on it? oh, i just explained why i was watching i was like i'm watching this film because we're talking about it she's like all right yeah, no. <laughs> well if that housemate is listening shout out to her she has made the podcast uh, she's not listening I don't think she's listened yet and that's a bone of contention nobody missed <laughs> the tension is rising no we can't go down that route too much because it'll make it genuinely weird <laughs> <laughs> alright so what's the task for next week Dr. Timmy <laughs> well the task for next week is uh, going towards social media um, so I think the background here if I may, is that we both, as we've gotten older, have become become less open to new forms of social media. And I'm sure a lot of people of our age might be similar. So we grew up in the kind of the Bebo age and the Facebook age when that was kind of thriving. And uh, Twitter as well was always there. And obviously YouTube was a form of it as well. So those were the kind of the core main things that uh, we grew up with. And we, I think we were happy with our lot I don't but, know if you'd agree. I, I was happy with that. Before we go on, um, it's worth noting for anyone who's a bit younger than us, we were 34 now. If anyone is like in their 20s, um, we were, we, it wasn't until the age of 20 for us that YouTube came out. So oh, like, yes. I think YouTube either came out or became prominent in 2005. That's when I remember it, being in uh, first and second year in college. And um, 
Like, so we got to the age of 20 without being ever able to watch a YouTube video or have a device to watch one on. So, it, like, we come from a completely different area. We're practically dinosaurs of social media. We really are. And even the internet as well came about during our, uh, during our kind of uh, yeah. early years. I, I didn't get the internet at home till 2006. Now, that's, like, insane. I was, like, 21. Wow. Yeah, we were, prob- we were probably at least... That around that age before the internet became like easily accessible and wasn't really slow. So I suppose we that gave us an interesting perspective on social media in that we knew what life was like before it and after it. Very much so. And, and knew people and went out and went to pubs and nightclubs and all that stuff without ever having seen social media or photos from the night or anything like that or, or tagged ourselves in a location or anything like that. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll discuss more on this next week. Uh, but... I think as we got older, new forms of social media came out and I think it was noticeable that, that our age group just didn't kind of keep up with what was going, coming out. Like So, for example, me and you haven't really kept up with Instagram, even though that's a really popular social media uh, platform. Same with Snapchat. Um, I suppose Tinder is a new one that's kind of... But that's more for dating. It's not quite the same thing. Um, yeah. So, like, I think... As we've gotten older, I don't know about you, but I, I've become more close-minded to new forms of social media, like your your uh, Snapchats, or I just even can't can't think <laughs> of more no, of them. Like one hundred percent, and I do have an Instagram personal page that I opened for a very specific reason. It was people on in a job I used to work in were going on a reunion night out, and it was being organised on um, Instagram. But I've never used it since, and uh, Snapchat never used it in my life, um, and. Uh, yeah, and, I, and I, 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 the same as you, I'm pushed, I'm hard pushed to name another another one. Yeah, and even like with Instagram and Snapchat as examples, I would develop in my head, a part of me says, that's a load of shite. Why would anyone be using Instagram or Snapchat? Like, that's the way, I think, as you get older, maybe you get a more, bit more close-minded to new forms of media in general and social media you do but it's it's uh, a dangerous game as well because you turn into your parents and you become a dinosaur yeah suddenly you're on facebook and like it's just 40 year olds yeah on facebook and but then things like that. you also don't want to become the older person who's hip to the kids and is on <laughs> fucking shit that's none of their business as well yeah well there is a fear that we're gonna become that person this week because we're coming up with the hottest the most downloaded app the most downloaded social media app in the world for 2019 we're in early 2020 now uh, but that app is something called tiktok you'll have seen it on on your twitters your facebooks your instagrams people with these short uh, 15 second videos um so it's the brand new uh, social media basically the the idea is you record yourself doing a dance or something trendy or some meme or doing something funny it's always about 15 seconds and the idea is you flick through so you just upload it and then people around the world watch it and if they like it they say like and if they don't they just flick flick up they swipe up like you would with tinder and then they they swipe on to the next video so it's constantly just video after video and that's all the app is from what i can see you can upload your own videos onto it too so it's uh, it's kind of not something we would normally do, I think. So, vacuous videos for the Instagram age. <laughs> that should be the title for next week. Uh, okay, so we're going to do this, apparently. We're going to do this, brother. Okay. We're going to download TikTok, look through it, 
and I had suggested three types of videos. Um, but I, I, I think it maybe should we do two videos? Uh, two is probably more than enough. Yeah. Yeah, because I, th- I think they actually take a bit of uh, thought and practice because <laughs> some of the, the dance moves are quite intricate. Okay. <laughs> so I was thinking, why don't we do one kind of meme or trend or dance move that's that's kind of already been done on TikTok, sort of follow along with that trend, and then one completely original creation each. And wow. I would suggest... Okay. How does that sound? Yeah, it sounds good, but it sounds challenging, but good. It is challenging, I would say. And I would say we need to get this, try to get this done by the weekend to see if it goes viral or not. Even if we had like three or four days to see how many views it gets. Right, yeah. Okay, so let's have a look here. Um, okay, so, right, yeah, that's doable. That's easily doable. Yeah, like they're only 15 second videos. It could be, they could be anything. They're, they're literally anything. Quirky, weird, funny serious food music whatever like just literally whatever yeah okay that sounds good and challenging but that's what we're going to do for next week so tick tock the clock is ticking yes a tick tock we're approaching an hour now so i think we probably need to to wrap up professor t would you agree we need to shut the fuck up okay that's been uh, episode 16 can you believe that of open us i've been professor t he's been dr toomey any final words dr toomey stay open If you'd like to contact us on social media ahead of next week's task, search for us on Twitter. It's at Open Us Podcast. On Facebook, it's also Open Us Podcast. On Instagram, it's Open Us Podcast. And via email, it's Open Us Podcast at gmail.com. Tick-tock, the clock is ticking. 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 Tick-tock, the clock is ticking.